All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 306 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm just checking in the corner of my eye that I'm actually pressing record. Um... Today I'm joined by Mike Cavaccini. Hey everyone. Or as Andrew says in his movie. Cavaccini. Well, Cavaccini is how it's phonetically pronounced. And yeah, it's, it's the American version. It's, it's, not, it's not like Kavinsky or something, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course him, that other guy, Andrew Scambati, director of One Last Time. Good to be here. Thanks for that intro. I really appreciate it. And thanks to the both of you for helping me. Uh, promote the film and being involved with it i couldn't thank you enough well congratulations by the way it passed 100 151,000 views today 151,000 and the movie what 67,000 or something something sick and of course kiss at midnight has also had a nice knock-on effect thanks to our friend eddie Eddie Trunk. trunk so eddie thank you for mentioning you know Andrew's project. You've mentioned my projects in the past, and it is appreciated that you are a cheerleader for rock and roll. Um, Speaking of mentioning products, I do want to take this moment to mention a good product that I bought today on Amazon that's going to be delivered to me on on Sunday, rather, which is great. Amazon delivers seven days a week. So if you're bored and uh, if you also are looking for your next blunt object that you need to use to hit your next loved one or disloved one, I highly recommend Kiss on Tour, oh, 2020 God. edition. Uh, I did I did purchase this. Uh, what was funny, uh, what was really really funny about this, is uh, you know I, I chat with Julian pretty often. He was saying that oh you know there's not going to be a hardcover version because of what's going on with the economy and blah blah blah. So, but I have this and this and that. So without even ordering it or without even uh, asking about it i go you know i bought your 2017 version and i gotta say i do have uh i, I do have one exception that i want to make on this and he's like what i was like well you know i'm reading these chapters and i don't know what tour i'm in because the tour name is nowhere on the page and then of course he sends me a screenshot that it's already been corrected so yes so with that being said i did buy it because now i can flip through it and know what tour i'm looking at um and of course when the hardcover if and when it does become available of course, I'll be buying that too. Yeah, it's, it's um, I've killed it. It's just pointless. You know, they they'd managed to make ten in the U.S. and one in Australia, um, and it, it's just so problematic for whatever reason. The you know the paperback's cheaper, and oh on, no, it's, of it's course got, it's got everything in it and whatever. You know, this thing gets updated yeah. every year. But enough about me because uh, I hadn't actually even published anywhere that I'd done a paperback of it. Uh, so there you go, surprise. Today, well, it's obviously, on Amazon. Well, yeah, but I I don't publicize stuff anymore. Oh, sorry. I be. Because I just don't do that. Um, obviously, Bob Kulik has passed, and that is going to be the discussion of today's show. Um, it would be impossible not to talk about Bob and his contributions to Kiss, his contributions to many bands and artists throughout a long career that dated back to 1966, um, rather than focusing on how things kind of ended. Obviously, Bruce did post a message asking for the family's privacy to be respected. And I am in total agreement that at times like this, a family's 
privacy should be respected. However, we do want to talk about his music. He's been a member of the KISS family for many, many years. He's played on many important KISS releases and songs that weren't released, many other artists. And, uh, you know, let's talk about personal interactions. If either of you have had the opportunity to meet Bob at expos or elsewhere. Uh, Andrew, why don't we start with you on that? Well, I, I played with Bob. I mean, I've obviously had many, many interactions with Bob, but I actually played with Bob for the. Uh, what'd you do? What'd you do there? <laughs> Told you you're number one. Oh, <laughs> I flipped you <laughs> off. Oh, I played with Bob. No, I did. I did. Um, I was part of the Kiss Cruise pre-party in 2013. Um, the band that I was in at the time, we were headlining it. And actually, uh, Michael, you actually were there. And there's a video that you took that I didn't even know. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, it took uh, a Maybe it's God of Thunder and something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, before the before the party was announced, we had uh, contacted Bob and been in touch with him to see what songs that he wanted to do. Uh, there were a couple 80 songs that he wanted to do, like Lick It Up and, and whatnot. But also we did songs off of Side 4 of Alive 2. We did All American Man. And, you know, at the time, I really was kind of a casual Bob Kulik fan. I knew his history with the band. He did play on my favorite Kiss album, which is the Paul Stanley solo album. Um, I was aware that he had auditioned for the band before Ace, and of course I was aware that he was on the 89 solo tour. But I'll tell you, one of the, the things that I'll, I'll never forget is we were playing All-American Man, and I think that might have been the first song we did with him. And uh, so I, I counted off, and then, and then I'm playing, and then of course he's hamming it up to the crowd. But then there was a point in the song where he he looked back at me, and he was just like, like yeah, it's like, you can fucking play. Like, he was like giving his seal of approval to me playing because... You know, I, I don't know if you guys know this. There's a lot of tribute bands out there, and they could they could barely play Kiss songs. They literally only learn musical instruments to put on Kiss costumes and things like that. So there's there's definitely a dark cloud around that. There are very few tribute band members that are actually musicians before and after the band that can play other other Kiss songs. So I guess Bob coming in knew that, and he was kind of playing, and he looked back at me, and he kind of gave me like a like an approval, like a like a nod, and I thought that was cool. I hadn't even met him at that point yet. You know, he came in, he did sound check. We, we did whatever we had to do. And I, I never had a chance to, to talk with him, but after the show, you know, we walk off stage and you know, he had nothing but good things to say. And I enjoyed the hell out of playing with him. You know, he walked in with literally a, a gig bag. I think he had flown in that day and with like two pedals and he made those two pedals sound like they were 12 stacks of Marshall amplifiers and, and I even I, I even like kind of was like, what are you what are you using? He goes, this is it. Just this right here. And I was like, you like, seriously, he sounded great. He played great. And he was a great guy that day. I don't I, I, I can't tell you if it was before or after. It was probably after. But he was a guest at a New Jersey Kiss convention. And um, I was there the, the day of the show and I was just eating breakfast down there and, and I saw him and I was like, Hey Bob, I was, you know, blah, 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 this, I did this. And he sat and had breakfast with me and it was just two guys just literally bullshitting and, and talking. So that's the part of Bob Kulik that I choose to remember. I choose to remember that moment where he looked at me on stage and then that moment where we're sitting eating cantaloupe together. That's the Bob Kulik I, I decided that I wanted to remember. And uh, it was cool. It, it was it was cool. I literally never had a bad interaction with the guy. That's beautiful. So, 
really nice. No, and, yeah. and positivity is what it's about when you're celebrating a, a man or a person's life. Uh, Michael, obviously, you know that that's really cool to hear that you're part of Andrew's story. Uh, you know, yeah. so with so many things like we is, just isn't we keep that crossing. weird the way yeah. the way that all these little threads and you know as Kiss fans that we connect you know across the miles oh. and the years. Well, because I'll tell you, you know, and this isn't a, a, any any slight of hand against uh, against Michael. I obviously knew about his article with Paul Stanley, and I just thought he was like some L.A. guy and just some like professional writer. I had no idea. And then I see that he was at a lot of the same Kiss conventions that I was at. And then I'm looking back. I'm like, this guy was on the, like he filmed me on the cruise. I just thought it blew my mind. It, it just blew my mind that this this Kiss community is so small. That yeah. everybody is like two degrees away from the other person. Yeah, it is really weird. Uh, I know we were both at the 2003 Best Buy meet and greet and all these things. Um, but yeah, so that was my first Kiss cruise. And I decided that, okay, I'm going to do this pre-party because why not, right? Live it up. And the pre-party was pretty cool. I mean, there was, uh, I met Chris Giordano there. Uh, he was dressed up as Paul Stanley and kind of like the MC for the day and highly entertaining. Um Oh, Jean's daughter was there and she was doing like meet and greets with people. And then, of course, Bob was there performing with you guys. So, I mean, it was a hell of a day and just a great, fun way um, to, to kick things off. You know, just great energy and everyone is just happy to be there and having a good time. And like you at the time, I don't know that I really knew everything about Bob inside and out. I mean, obviously, I was familiar with him. I mean, you know, if you, if you know who Bruce Kulick is, more than likely you know who Bob is if you've listened to all of Kiss's stuff, uh, you know, from reading the books and everything. So I thought it was pretty neat to, to get the chance to see him perform. And, yeah, he, obviously it was great that you guys uh, pulled out some deep cuts and played stuff that, honestly, people weren't going to hear on the cruise, right? I mean, it, there were certain songs that we didn't have a chance in hell of hearing. And actually, Yeah, but that I was the year that we heard The Oath. Like they pulled out the yeah. oath that year, so. Wow, true. And didn't you guys do a song from Carnival Souls, or am I wrong? Yeah, we did Hate. Well, that whole yeah. thing, it, it was all, it, it was for Sophie's place, and um, okay. her, her her charity, and people bid on they wanted songs for the band to learn. So like for me, I was like, okay, this is this is fine. We'll do some cool songs. But I think we ended up doing like uh, we did Hate, maybe a million to one. I, I can't remember the the songs that we did because I'll tell you, every every show kind of men's men's together I, I would tell you a funny story about that day because you know you were you're mentioning about how it was your first cruise uh it, it was my second cruise but i remember getting there to to this pre-party and um the band uh, the band flew in but um i think two or three days before that a big tractor trailer came and picked up all of our gear and, and drove our gear down to miami we had all the all the kiss gear all the amps and the stage whatever and then, then, of course, the stage measurements that we were given were wrong, so only half of our stuff went up. So we only needed that's, – that's another story for another time. But anyway, we, we pull up there, and it was in uh, downtown Miami. Uh, Julian, have you ever been to downtown Miami before? Not a great area. I mean, it's not a great area. So as we're pulling up, and we kind of parked across because it was supposed to be inside this little club. But because so many tickets and things were sold and it was blowing up and so many people were, were going to be there, it was moved to the parking lot of this um of this establishment so uh we're pulling up and i'm looking i'm like guys the trailer looks really weird and they go what do you mean i go is the side missing off the trail oh 
a side is missing out. Someone tried to break it in the trailer. So someone tried to take the aluminum siding of the trailer and roll it down to try and break into the trailer and steal the gear. Luckily, they wow. had they didn't get any of the gear, but they did. They literally took it and they rolled it like it was tinfoil, try to roll it down to break into it. And luckily, they didn't get anything. But uh, later on, the, the band had to get the, the trailer repaired. But that was we pull in. And that's the first thing I see. I go, oh, this is going to be a day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did Bob join you guys on the Carnival Soul song or no? I forget. I don't think he did. I only I think he only did like five or six songs with us. Okay. And, but he and it was songs. It was all his material and like eighties kiss. Okay. And yeah, so I mean obviously you guys are awesome, but to see, hear him play with you is great. I mean he's got a really great sound um yes. to his guitar playing. You know, it's just got uh, it's just got this raw um in your face sound to it, which I think, you know, we all love. I mean, obviously we're Kiss fans. And I did get to meet him after the show. Um, like when he was done, he was just kind of walking around, I guess. And I got a picture with him and I got a picture with some guy dressed up as Gene. And it was just a real like brief uh, exchange with Bob and just saying, you know, great job, really enjoyed your playing, nice to meet you, you know, boom, get a quick photo. Um, now, one thing I wish I had seen, which I don't know if either of you did see, but everyone raved about when it was like Bob and Bruce on the cruise um, in the future years saying like, because they were playing like everything. <laughs> People were like, you know, looking to hear and just pretty much supplementing what Kiss was doing. So I didn't get a chance to see that. Julian, did you or um, uh, have either of you seen them I together? I didn't, but I think Julian did. No, I did not. The year I went on the cruise, it was uh, just uh, Bruce and uh, Todd and uh, Brent, and I don't remember the name of the uh, the bass player that year. Poor guy. No one knows that guy's name. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I totally missed that, because that was one of the high points of Bob's career for many fans. Their interaction with him was that Kiss Cruise. And for everyone who watched on YouTube and the multicams and everything that came out of it, that was like one of the things that people have been waiting for the longest. And one of the hopes that they had was that Bruce and Bob would do an album together. Um, whatever the context was going to be is kind of irrelevant, because, of course, Bruce had done material with Bob in his bands going back to like Blackthorn um, what was it the Afterlife al album there was a song that the, the brothers did with Steve Plunkett of Autograph um, but that has those uh, like impossible dense vocals to get through but Michael you know yeah, your that Seven Heaven theme of Steve Plunkett was great yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I just don't have that that sort of familiarity with that that stuff. So, um, <laughs> back to, back to you, Michael, and your interactions with him. You know, was it only at that one event that you bumped into him, or did you see him at further expos and have further opportunities with him? Well, you know, I was at the um, I, I went to a couple of New Jersey expos. Uh, basically, everyone that's happened within the past few years, and so. Um, Andrew, remind me, was he at the one where Four by Fate was there? I don't think so, and I that was the one that I wasn't at because uh, uh, I think that was the one. Uh, or sorry, no, 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 it was John and it was Todd. Not, not correct, correct, correct. So it was John Todd, and that that's when John and Todd played with with Kiss Nation because I was I was subbing in for Kiss Nation right, at that I point. Right, that. So we played suits. That? Um, no, Bob wasn't at the one. Anthony Esposito was at oh, that yes. one. Bob was the year before when peter was the guest right so i must have just missed him at that because that one was my first nj expo um so no i didn't have a chance to 
to to see him there. I I'd have to look back at my interview with Bruce. I'm sure I asked about Bob, but um, obviously I interviewed Bruce and um, talked about you know the band and everything and uh, pretty much everything Bruce is involved in. So and probably should have checked that before jumping on here, but I assume that I uh, asked him something about Bob because um, I mean they were close and. Um, Obviously, they had a bit of a troubled relationship, unfortunately. But um, I feel like anything, you know, if you, even people you really like or people who you are uh, very similar to, you can still butt heads, right? You can, your best friend, if you're around them too much, you can drive each other crazy. So um, I don't know if it's that they had issues because they were so alike or because they were so different or what it was. But um, obviously, they're both really talented guys and um, contributed a lot to Kisses. Um, music and style and sound and you know I, I think with Bob's passing it makes me want to kind of take a little bit more time and look at uh, the things he contributed to or did uh, which I know it's a shame that people do that when someone dies versus while they're still alive but sometimes it's just one of those things that you're meaning to do and you just kind of put it off and um, so I think I'll do that because yeah he was really gifted and to, to your point earlier Andrew I love the Paul Stanley um, solo album, the first one. Uh, I think it's excellent. To me, the guitar is great, and also Carmine, uh, his drumming, uh, especially. Like, Hold on, they still only have one track, though. Yeah, but the, the drumming at the end of that track is awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh, so I, to me, I when I'm listening to music, and I assume you guys are the same way, I listen to all the different layers, right? You, you, each time you listen to a song, you, you might pick up on something else. Whether it's the guitar, the bass, the drumming, the the way you know something sounds, and you know Bob is a part of that sound, and he he added a distinct voice uh, to what he played on versus just simply blending into the background how some guitarists can, right? They're just kind of like paint by numbers. Where he, I feel like, just like walk in, kind of lay it all out, and uh, blow us away with like amazing stuff, like nowhere to run and all these great. Uh, licks that we everybody loves it's just it's really incredible stuff yeah I, I i completely agree i completely agree there was a there was a nothing against any of the people that were in the band as in at the time we played on the cruise a difference between when that guitar player played and when bob played and you could tell and and, I, and like i said before he was playing out of two little pedals like you would think that that guy came in with you know giant rack mounted you know vintage amplifiers and speaker stacks and no that guy came in with two little packs that he i, I thought he pulled out of his he came in like wearing sweatpants and he thought he pulled <laughs> them out of his sweatpants and just like put them on the stage yeah but he's and, only and, doing to be oh, fair he's only doing two songs and was he doing primarily lead or was he doing rhythm and lead because you, uh, you, like, you don't you don't need a lot of pedals i have four and i only have no, used no, two it, concurrently but what, I, what what I'm saying is I, I, I'm saying that he he was doing lead. I think it was closer to five songs, but it wasn't a whole set. But like he just he brought in like the bare essential and it just added this giant sound. I, I remember when he played that first chord and I was like, oh, my God. And it was just like two little pedals because the guitar player that was in the band at the time, he must have had a slew of pedals that he was using this and that and, and whatever. But, you know, Bob just came in and Bob just he literally killed it. He really did. 
And you can go back and you can watch those videos. And, I actually, and, I, I want to watch these videos that Michael shot now. Now that I know about that, because I don't watch <laughs> a lot of that stuff on on YouTube or or whatnot, tribute bands especially. Uh, the one vi- I think Michael even caught the one video that I saw. I don't know if it was Michael's, but I watched the All American Man, and you catch the moment where Bob looked back at me, and Bob was like, "And I, like I said, I'll never, I'll never forget that moment." Um, as a drummer, I'm back there. I'm in my own little world. No one comes back there. Fuck that guy back there. But when when Bob Kula turned around and like that was the guy that was on Paul Stanley's solo album was on the solo tour, I knew who that guy was. And for him to do that, like for me a, as a musician at the time, I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. So, um, you know, I I I remember I remember all the uh, early 2000s. And all of those early um, VH1 Kiss documentaries, and I know Bob was always, always a part of those. And it was interesting to hear hear him speak about about the band and him working with the band and things of like that, because he auditioned for the band and they were like, "No, we we're going to use Ace." So just imagine what he went through and how close he must have been to Paul at the time, because he came back to do you know demos, he came back to play on side four of Alive Two. And then he even came back to do Paul's solo record. So that says something about that relationship that they had at that time. I mean, we know what happened years later, and I don't really want to focus too much on that. But imagine that. Imagine you don't get the job, but the guy is still calling you after because the guy that has the job is 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 is, is not respecting his place. It's kind of like that girl that calls you and complains about her boyfriend all the time, but is never going to date you, but she's going to complain about the boyfriend to you all the time. you got to listen. I never had that problem. I, oh, excuse me, Julian. I mean, when, whenever, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what they, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what, what, what you guys did in, 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 uh, in all the different countries and, and states that you lived in. I don't know, but uh, Michael and fi- I know. I'll take, we, the, take the fifth on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all the all the farm animals or whatever you guys. I, I don't. I, I hold nothing against you on that stuff. More power to you. So let's um, move into a different question about Bob. And obviously, in 1982, Ace does depart the band. And we've talked about, you know, and it's always been a debate and discussion about the replacement of Peter in 1980. You know, would someone have like Anton Fig have worked, someone who was associated with the band? And yes, he did almost work very briefly in the following day. It was rolled back. But, you know, when you listen to Bob's tone, you listen to the music that he was making with them in 1982. Obviously, he came back into the fold to work as a session player on Kiss Killers on the four new tracks in between the band ramping up to record a new studio album. Do you think that it would have been an idea since they knew him and trusted him and he'd done all this work already with the band that he might have been a more appropriate choice, especially for a band that wasn't uh, averse to wearing wigs? Michael? Yeah, I think he would have been... What's interesting, right? I mean, to think, like, what if... Um, I think he would have fit in perfectly other than the hair, but it's not a big deal because you can just wear a wig. And, Did they uh, wear wigs at that time, though? They may not have, but, I mean, he could have gotten away with it. Gene, yeah, Gene certainly had worn a wig in 1981 when he went to Vienna to receive the <laughs> award. Him he, and Eric. Yes, had cut their hair already for the elder and wore a wig. So, Michael, sorry, please continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So I was saying, I think sound-wise, yes, he would have been perfectly fine. Now, I don't know if he's much of a 
and pardon you know me being naive about this how's his songwriting i mean is is he would he have been able to contribute to kiss in that respect um you know in addition to the actual playing itself um or would it be mostly gene and paul writing the lyrics still if he was in the band that's always been kind of the thing that I've pondered on in this discussion is that his writing. Yeah, he was a co-writer on one Kiss song, Naked City. He co-wrote two songs song. on um, the first Blackjack album, but mm -hmm. he had not um, a tremendous amount of writing at that time that I'm aware of. I know some stuff that shows up on Gene's Vault later was attributed to him as well from that era, but there's not a tremendous amount of material. He wrote with Balance, obviously, who by 1982, had, had they done two albums by then or just one? Uh, so one or two albums, which was, you know, kind of middle of the road. Of course, Paul had returned the favor and sung on one of the songs on the, the first Balance album. But comparing him to someone like Vinnie Vincent, no, Vinny was brought in because he could play and he sure as heck could write, which was something that management was pushing very strongly at the time for an external focus to kind of recenter Gene and Paul's writing styles because they had stagnated. And of course, management wouldn't say it in as many words that you guys are old hat, you're doing the same things, you're boring. We need someone fresh to spice things up. So that maybe his writing wasn't good enough maybe he was too close to the band i mean obviously when you work with people you have relationships you are sometimes in the friend zone no you couldn't come See? in as yeah you could you, you couldn't come in you couldn't come in as the lead guitarist to our band because we're friendly with you and we already know too many of each other's secrets so uh, andrew as a musician i'm really mad at myself because i was trying to find my copies of killers and they're not between the elder and creatures like they should. So I don't know what I did with them. But I was going to pull out my, my vinyl copies of creatures. Should we, but, I, you have OCD, so should we pause the show so that you can go reorganize your records? Well, I, the, only re, the only reason why I'm thinking they're not in there, because obviously Killers until 2014 was not released in the United States. So I'm assuming that, because I have all my United States and there's a small section of import records. So, so we all know how Andrew is spending one. his evening now. Um, yeah. And I do have OCD. So I, I will, after I'm done, that'll be the first thing that I do before anything else. Um, and I, I totally forgot your question. Uh, but as far as like being a musician and working, you know, I, I don't know. It's what I've learned in my years after I stopped like being a quote unquote professional musician, the people in the band really matter. And not that you essentially want to be friends with them or want to hang out with them, but you at least want to like respect them and want to be able to handle them in small doses when you're having to work with them so maybe it's just possible that maybe gene or ace or eric or maybe just someone just didn't work well with bob and maybe that's why he wasn't brought in because maybe the day that he was brought in maybe ace was in talks of maybe playing something on creatures i mean who knows who who really knows first of all who knows how many different guitar players were on that creatures of the night album that ended up actually playing on the record ultimately who knows what was going on at the time? Um, what are the yeah? What are the dates that Bob was in Meatloaf that he was touring with Meatloaf? Was he still with? I know it was seventy seven, seventy eight, right? What was? Wait, what? What? When was Bob still touring with Meatloaf? Was he? Would he have been still with Meatloaf at the time of Creatures of the Night and 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 in that? No, uh, at that time he was heavily doing session work. He toured with. Uh, he was still in with uh, Michael Bolton. And so uh, balance maybe had done its maybe little it's, thing. 
maybe it's possible that he already had a signed contract with Balance or Bolton, or maybe there was just maybe there was something else brewing that was that was actual tangible work that he had at the time. Because if you're a professional musician, you don't go and chase a maybe if you have actual paid work. So it's possible that maybe the schedules didn't line up, regardless of how much he wanted to do that. Because uh, remember, Kiss was a gamble at that point. They weren't selling out arenas. They weren't selling records. So, I mean, what was Bob going to do? Bob was going to leave whatever contract he was in at the time. And we, we don't know. We don't know about those things. So I, I think that it was probably maybe a scheduling thing. But again, there there are, are many, many, many variables. Or maybe just him and Paul weren't close at that point, and it was a non-starter. Yeah, and that's one thing that I've read, that there was uh, quite a bit of critical feedback towards his solos on Killers uh, internally, um, which is a very difficult position for him to be put in, because obviously he wasn't being forced to sound like Ace anymore, and that's one of the stories that has always resonated more, that on Kiss Killers he was allowed to be more himself, so you have a very unique guitar sound on those four new tracks that were on the album. Um Let's talk about his contributions to Kiss. I mean, Andrew's already sung the praises, and so is Michael, for a certain extent, of Paul Stanley's 1978 solo album. Let's talk about Kiss Alive 2, side four. Um, yeah, let's talk about that compared to, to Killers. Uh, uh, well, it definitely sounds more classic as far as it does to Killers. I know a lot of people sing the praises of these songs, um, aside from Rocket Ride, I don't love these songs. I think these songs are a huge missed opportunity. I think these songs could have been something cool, and they want them to be something cool. I think it lacks songwriting more than it lacks musicianship. Uh, I think the guitar playing on there is great. I think Bob did a great Ace impression, because you didn't know at that time that he was on those. And there's also been rumors that Peter wasn't on there either. Um, so, but, um, but, but again, I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I don't love those songs. I don't, those are the last things I go to listen to. Yeah. No drummer called Carl. Sorry, Michael. (laughs) The, uh, so I agree. I think, uh, audio quality, I think those songs sound great, right? Uh, they're, they're well produced. Um, you know, and the, the singing and everything on them is excellent. But yeah, the, the lyrically, I don't go back to the songs a lot. I'm not a big Rocket Ride person. I think probably Larger Than Life and All American Man are probably my two favorites from that. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, I don't go to it very often. It's just one of those things where it's like, eh, you know, once in a while I'll listen to it. And But then again, uh, what do we know? Because if you guys remember 2007, Kiss ran a contest to play a rare song. And All American Man beat out the song Mr. Speed from Rock and Roll Over. So, again, what, what do we know? Maybe maybe they break the contest. I don't know. But I'm just saying, what do we know, maybe? Yeah, which is crazy because Mr. Speed is a much better song. Agreed. Uh, yeah, like I, if I'm picking like a deep cut, I mean, it's funny. I think as a like hardcore fans would probably say Naked City or we would say something like that uh, because it's great, right? It, it's a really good song. Um where the, yeah, I, I the watched uh, I watched a band last night. Um, I I, I want to tell you the the, the video because uh, it was a band and and they were definitely I think they were from Australia. Um, one second, one second. Let me pull this up here because it's going to be in my history. 
No, no, no. They were doing naked. Okay, so the band is called Unmasked, and they're an unmasked five-piece Kiss tribute. And and they did Naked City. And, man, it sounded awesome. It was brilliant sounding. And then so it was posted a year ago, and the guys only got 3,000 views. This video is it's shot well. The production is awesome. And the band sounds great. And they look cool. So so go watch that. So it the band is called Unmasked. And they did a version of Naked City. And it's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. Go watch that. Turn this off and go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we were talking about Alive 2. Um, yeah, I'm. the songs are weak. Rocket Ride, I prefer Rocket Ride to the other four. But if I'm going to pick the next one, it's probably going to be larger than life. And the other three are dross. The cover is rubbish. Uh, Should have yeah, been on there. That? And some of the other options that they had, suspended animation was listed, which would have been dreadful. And the uh, Jailhouse Rock proposed cover by Gene um, would have been even worse than, you know, that, you know. But they were just chasing stuff. Bob's guitar work, and I, I love an interview that I transcribed for Dale Sherman, you know, had Bob, you know, being very bobbish, talking about those, you know, that everyone was congratulating, congratulating Ace for his fantastic guitar work on that, and that he'd really grown, and he hadn't, because it was Bob. So, I, I think making him try and sound like Ace, production-wise, took a lot of those kind of tone things that Bob does out of the equation, which is why I prefer the songs on Killers because you get more of Bob's character coming out through those, even though at the time I had no clue uh, about Bob, who he was when I first heard Killers. Not a clue whatsoever. I love I'm a Legend Tonight. I love that song. What a great song. Underrated. I've played that song so many times to non-Kiss fans, and everyone's like, who's this? Such a cool song. Such a cool song. Yeah, those songs I think are great. Um, Especially like Paul's Delivery, uh, like, I don't know about you guys, and this is like a very much a kiss thing. Do you ever just like throughout the day say something out loud like Paul would sing it just for <laughs> no reason? In other words, like the word so, I'll just be like walking around and I'll be like, so, you know, just so. <laughs> he does that a lot now. <laughs> I'll just do it for no reason. So it's like anytime we hear a certain word, we think of, oh, the way Paul sang it. And that's one song. Uh, so, But when you listen to those songs on um, Killers, I think they're they're great. I mean, uh, even if they're like like so bad they're good. Like you know, down on your knees. I mean, it's it's so like corny and campy that like you can't help but smile. Um, so yeah, those songs I'll take those over the Alive Two studio cuts any day. I just feel like they've got kind of like a gritty, fun sound to them, and they're just like I know people have even said, what if we got like a whole album of that, or like just expand on that? I mean, Cruise Creatures is darker. Right, where the killers tracks were, you know, they had more maybe a lick it up type feel. Um, and yeah, it would have been cool to see if they took it a little further just and gave us a little more because I feel like that there was some really good stuff there. So let's go into some favorites. I mean, your highlights of Bob's contributions to Kiss. Pick two tracks that you think um, are your favorites or you think best represent his contributions and or whatever metric you want to apply to it andrew can i and we're considering paul stanley's solo album as it, as part of it, it right does it have a kiss logo on it it does all right so it, it's it's easy for me it's going to be ain't quite right and i'm a legend tonight 
Or no, no, excuse me. Hold me, touch me. I'm a legend tonight. Okay. No, I don't want to hold you, touch you. <laughs> what a great song, though, man. What a great, great, great song. How can you hate that song? It sounds so... It is so immersed in... That ruins se- the whole it, album for me. It, But it's so immersed in AM, FM, 1970s no. that you listen to it and you're just like, it's so it's cool. It is not. It's horrible. Okay. <laughs> Beth was better. I I like them both, man. I like yeah. them both. No, sorry. I'm messing around. Michael. All right. Well... Naked City, obviously, um, and I'd have to say yeah, actually, the right. best part of that song is Gene. The the bass is so prominent in that song, and it's just a doo doo doo. Like you can really hear it uh, move around, where in most songs you can't. It's just got a great uh, groove to it, which I guess is less Bob, more Gene. But it's just a fantastic song uh, lyrically, just musically. It's just a masterpiece. Uh, and actually, because um, it was just mentioned. I'm going to go with Hold Me, Touch Me. I think that is just a fantastic song, uh, mainly because of the arrangement and because of Paul's delivery. He does it like in this kind of soft falsetto yeah. um, voice that we don't hear much from. And actually, when I heard him, he recently posted a video singing Smokey Robinson. And I was like, wow, Paul really is great at this. I didn't notice it when they had the live Soul Station videos because the quality is kind of crap. But when I heard this, this video that he posted recently, I was like, I'm sure he's thrilled to have the opportunity to not have his like Paul Stanley stage voice and sing something in a different style. So um, I, I love Then She Kissed Me, and I think Hold Me, Touch Me is equally good. I think that Paul kind of... Wait, you like that song? What's that? You like that song, Then She Kissed Me? Oh, I think the cover's awesome. Rubbish. Um, I, but I, th- I think Paul was looking for opportunities to kind of branch out a little within Kiss, which is hard. And he had these moments where he did that, um, like, you know, Odyssey and things like that, where he could really kind of, you know, stretch his, um, expand his range. And I think that these songs did it. So I actually would say Hold Me, Touch Me, because I think it's pretty much perfect. Sure, it's not really like a Kiss-ish song, but hey, it was reflective of Paul at the time. And um, the guitar work is really nice. I mean, it's really pretty. And that's the best way to describe that song. It's pretty. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great song. All right. So if I've got to pick two. Um, hold me, touch me. No. <laughs> no. Hold me, it, touch me, and hold me, touch me. It's definitely going to be I'm a Legend Tonight because yeah. the first time I ever heard that album, I was blown away by those songs on it. And it, it was so nice, really, looking back at those four songs, is that I listened to them from a point of complete ignorance and bliss. I knew nothing about the band at that point. I barely even knew the makeup or the band's history. And I was able to just listen to it as music. And it, it, to this day, when I hear those songs, it just takes me back to my 14-year-old self when I first heard them. Um, I, th- I think I, I'm going to agree with Naked City as a second one because it is a songwriting contribution. That is one of the big mysteries for me that I still want to hear because Bob was somewhat unkind about Kiss's interpretation of that. It started out as a demo that uh, they were working on, and apparently by the time it went through Kiss, it had been completely changed from his original vision, so he wasn't a big fan of it. Um, So I I hope we get the opportunity at some point to hear that demo, whether it's on the end-all-be-all Kiss box set or, you know, through other means. Um, 
thinking outside of Kiss, what are the two Bob-related albums that you think everyone ought to listen to in order to get a decent feel for him or that you just like the guitar work on for whatever reason, or maybe you like the songwriting, whatever? Um, Andrew? Well, um, this is going to be a very short answer for me because I'm really not aware. I don't dive into a lot of the, you know, Kiss peanut gallery recordings. I just, I just don't. Uh, but that's absolutely no reflection on the material whatsoever. I listened to some of his stuff with Meatloaf, um, so I thought that was, you know, kind of, kind of cool with that. But, um, you know, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break the mold here and say, uh, if you want to hear this, if you want to hear his guitar work, uh, just go on YouTube and look up some of the 1989 Paul Stanley Soul Tour stuff. I mean, it sounds really cool. Yeah, and that is a crime that there wasn't a live album, um, a, a really good soundboard from that tour. Could you imagine if that? It, can you imagine if that tour was a little bit more successful and had spawned a live record and got a little bit more media attention? What would have happened with Kiss after that? Yeah, who, who knows at that at that point i mean i look at some of the videos and yeah there are some pro shots there are some very good audience shots but just what a missed opportunity that is and and maybe someone is sitting on one and we'll get the opportunity to hear a crystal clear that would be cool that that would be really fantastic to hear bob going through that stuff live i was re-watching um some of what i had thought was philadelphia but turned out to be trenton trenton um, yeah the that garden hilarious. that was hilarious and and just watching bob with his ex, i think it was an explorer or hamer or some description he is just thrashing it's so fun to watch him because it looked like you know there was a joy on his face then like i'm finally where i ought to have been 16 years ago um you know almost like justice has been done i'm finally playing with paul stanley on a stage for a paying audience which is is a wonderful thing as for the history of bob's discography i mean in our memoriam thread on the faq i had a great laugh a great time posting clips of bob's career for people who weren't aware he played the guitar solo on diana ross's why do fools fall in love and i when i posted that tim chimed in with a video from a 2020 interview and you actually get to see bob in the studio jamming with diana ross from that song which is 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 really fun i mean it doesn't matter what your tastes are in music diana ross is a legend um regardless and you know it it was a really fun part of her career and then you go back in time to lou reed you go back into the really obscure stuff the michael wendroff or however you pronounce his name he was a folk artist in the early 70s and eventually in 1978 bob introduces his brother to provide a solo on a on a song so those sorts of little connections are what i love you don't care about the peanut gallery give me the whole bowl of peanuts because i uh, have always been into that right down i mean i can't reach it right now but i mean i even have a copy of the random blues ep from france which was of course bob's first professional recording so michael what are two things that you think everyone should uh give a listen to well i am a big meatloaf fan i met meat uh it was last year the year before i met him when he came to monster mania in cherry hill and i didn't want to meet him for a while i think he's just a fantastic uh, vocalist um 
I mean, he hasn't taken care of his voice too much. He's had some health issues and what have you. But if you listen to some of his arrangements, oh, my God. Like, if you love theatrical rock, which obviously we do, um, no. as, like a, as a Barry Manilow and a Kiss fan, it's like bringing both worlds together. Like, these just, like, incredible arrangements, these, like, crazy vocals. These just It's just awesome. And I did get a chance to see meet live at the Tower Theater uh, years ago, and it was highly entertaining. So the album that I you know, recall that Bob was on was Bad Attitude, which came out in 1984. And one of my favorite Meatloaf songs is on there. It's called Modern Girl. Uh, you know, give me a future with Modern Girl. And it was a hit song. And it's a great song. It's catchy as hell. Uh, and the first time I heard it was, I think, on one of Meatloaf's greatest hits albums, probably in the early 90s. You know, because... I would do anything for love. Obviously, it was massive when I was growing up in like '94, whenever it came out. Um, so it made me hear all these other songs of his too. And um, yeah, I just think it's really cool that uh, Bob has a connection with him and that he played the guitar on one of like Meat's greatest songs. And that album has a lot of deep cuts. I mean, it's nine tracks, and really, you know, that song is kind of the, the big hit. So I think it's worth uh, revisiting that and checking out the other songs in addition to Modern Girl just to see, you know, what did he do with it? Because, um, you know, um, a lot of times uh, Meatloaf would do material by uh, Jim Steinman and, um, you know, it features two songs by him on here. And so it's worth checking all that out because I think like a lot of us, I like deep cuts. I like obscure tracks. I, I enjoy listening to a whole album, seeing it's co you know how things coalesce, and uh, not like for example, I love Journey, but uh, I'm not going to be playing Don't Stop Believing if it comes on whatever. But I'd rather listen to the deeper songs, the songs that we don't hear all the time on the radio. And I think that uh, this is a great album for that because it's not you know Meat's biggest album. So I think it's pretty cool that Bob uh, was able to contribute to something. It's kind of a, like a hidden gem, if you will. Um, he also played on a live album with Meatloaf, which, yeah, those are always good, too. I think it's live at Wembley. So I'd say check out those, too, just because it's theatrical rock, but on a whole different scale because uh, it's Meatloaf, where instead of, like, this big band, it's really just this major voice surrounded by these really excellent musicians, uh, you know, just performing uh, wonderful music. Yeah, and to the people who know more about Alice Cooper than me out there, I'm wondering if there are any soundboards of Bob with Alice with the Alice Cooper band that that would be something interesting I think they went to did the Australian tour with Alice um, that'd be great Alice puts on an amazing show yeah mm-hmm. and back then when the music was amazing too you know he hadn't gone into trash and poison and all that garbage that came later um, looking back I love to that. I love that yeah stuff. I can't stand it but <laughs> my, my two picks are you know but from the shows I've been doing with Andy recently and they are both wasp albums Crimson Idol and still not black enough which will be on our next episode that we do once everything kind of calms down both of those albums particularly um, still not black enough is the one that I'd really recommend people give a listen to. Still Not Black Enough is is a lost album in the Wasp catalog. Um, It's not a conceptual album, but it is centered around kind of darker themes. So it's not about Jonathan. It's got some songs that resonate very much today with what's going on, you know, Goodbye America, uh, Black Forever, which are just 
insane in terms of Blackie's songwriting, but also Bob's guitar throughout. And you can always tell when Blackie's playing and when Bob is. Bob brings the tone, and you immediately, Bob. Um, so he's not on everything, but he's on a lot of it. So that's one worth listening to. Crimson Idol, I was forced to go and kind of revisit that, as I'd said on that episode. You know, it wasn't one I listened to at the time, but it's actually, in terms of guitar work, absolutely dynamic explosive is that the one that they just re they reissued yeah. maybe like two years ago with the it came with like a movie or something that yes. was it was that one yeah re-idolized which is re-recorded and you know add, add some more songs into it so don't do that one do the original 1992 release which is but it has better. the but it has the movie in it right because i know there was supposed to be a, a movie uh, yeah yeah it has, it has, a movie. has the movie so, yeah so ignore the ignore it. the record but watch the the movie i think it was i think you know I have it somewhere. Yeah, I, I haven't even watched um, the movie. I have a big just listen to it. Lost records. So yeah. those are two, but you know, he played with Mark Farner, Tim Curry, Ruth Copeland, um, God, Hookfoot, if any, <laughs> Janice Ian, who was on Gene. Really, hold on. What did he do with Janice Ian? He did guitar on. I posted a, a video of it as well. Uh, where was it? Nineteen seventy nine. Uh yeah, yeah yeah night rains so really yeah. I love Janice Ian she's got an amazing voice really great lyricist yeah so he, uh, he did the guitar solo on uh, memories hmm. wow so so there you there you go I mean that's just how much a session player like Bob can surface all over the place then you look to the work that he did much later on in his career one of the other videos that I posted on that thread was uh, was not was smile from the born to laugh at tornadoes where he's credited on guitar along with mr vinnie vincent so you have again it's that bowl of peanuts andrew and bowl of peanuts well i mean i i don't think we can do a, a show like this without mentioning the most recent rumor that has come to light uh, apparently there had been some some stories posted that bob wanted to record an end of the road song with with the band what are your thoughts on that if that would ever have come to fruition thanks for both answering that at the same time i just i couldn't <laughs> i'm sorry I, I had you on mute yeah I'm <laughs> I, <laughs> no what, what do what do i think of that and i can't remember some of the things that bob may have mentioned to me that didn't get into the edited version of that interview um what do i think about them him doing a end of the road song for kiss to record it well, about the same as I thought of all these fans who wrote these end of the road songs for kiss. Um, it's a nice idea, but it's a little bit corny and I don't think it would have worked. It's not like it was uh, motley crew. All bad Ooh, things. what a terrible song that was. What a, what Ooh. a way to stick a knife in the legacy of a band. Uh, well, Vince Ooh. Meal, come on. Um, so no, <laughs> I start my a la carte. I, I think it's a nice idea. But Kiss, I don't think, would have been interested. And for, for whatever reason, I, I don't, don't think it matters. Michael, any opinion on that? Huh. Well, I think rather than doing like a studio thing, I think it would be nicer if it was more of an unplugged type situation where everybody kind of takes part in an event where, you know, here comes Bruce and Bob and here comes Peter and Ace. And it's more about a, celebrate, a live celebration that's documented um, of the different eras of the band. I think I'd be more interested in that. I mean, I would love to have Kiss do one final studio album, and if they had people 
um, like former uh, members, you know, sit in and contribute in some way, whether it's lyrics or musically. Sure, I'll take it. But I know Paul has put off the whole idea of doing more new studio material for a while. So I don't know that that's realistic. I think he really just wants to get the tour done with, document the tour, release that, and do his solo thing so he can kind of be Paul Stanley. So I don't, I don't really see them doing a studio album if they don't think it's necessary or they need to do it, even if it's a single. Um, yeah, but Kiss was never a singles band. I mean, we've yeah. had a discussion many, many, many times. You had a lot of these these heritage bands and even bands that came out in the 80s and the 90s that um oh even the early 2000s at this point where you had b-sides and bands would release singles and you had uh, other tracks on b-sides i mean the closest thing we got to a b-side release was in your face on the psycho circus video single and and maybe what it was the heavens on fire live track that was on a single but that was it for b-sides kiss was just never a, a singles band so um uh, while i thought the i thought the um the idea that Bob had was great. You're, you're, you guys are right. Never would have happened. Yeah. Never would have happened. Are there any other angles about Bob? I mean, we haven't talked about Skull. We haven't talked about Murder's Row. We haven't talked about Blackthorn. I mean, there are so many things that he was involved in. We haven't talked about his Grammy. Um, obviously, Lemmy, he produced Motorhead, who won mm-hmm. the Grammy. So he gets a participation Grammy certificate and, you know, Obviously, that becomes bigger than it actually was. The SpongeBob theme was massive. Um, let's end with thoughts about just some final thoughts about Bob Mine, where my interactions with him kind of told me all I needed to know about where he was later part of his life. Um, he could be gracious. He could also be not so gracious. I'm glad I had the opportunity to speak with him, to interact with him. Um, wish I'd gotten a photo with him. But that's more because I hate photographs that I don't do too many. Same. Um, Michael. Yeah, I mean, I, I really only had one direct interaction with Bob. It was a positive experience. Obviously, I'm thrilled that I have a photo with him, that I got to see him perform live. Uh, you know, autograph, whatever. I'm, I place, um, I don't place a high value on those too much like I used to. But, um, yeah, I'm glad I got to see him perform, meet him. Um, and I have a you know, deep appreciation for his musical contributions to Kiss and elsewhere. Um, you know, it's a shame that he, he seemed to have some issues later on, but hey, don't we all? And I hope that at the end of the road, you know, no pun intended, that him and Bruce released, you know, I hope that their last words with each other weren't negative. And uh, I hope that there was some closure there. And I... Obviously, we don't know the details of his passing, but I, I, I hope it wasn't painful. I hope he went peacefully because, I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of how people you know, may most recently remember him, he was an important figure. Uh, he had great contributions. And, um, yeah, you know, I think he'll be remembered fondly for those. And uh, I'm glad that I was around to at least see it and enjoy it. And uh, we'll miss him because he was a very talented guy. And 70s not when I would want to pass away. And I'm sure it's not when he wanted to pass away. I mean, um, you know, but if anything, his influence and everything will live on uh, through the catalog of music he produced and also through Bruce because they, they were a big influence on each other. So um, I'm sure Bruce remember him fondly. And obviously they, they influenced each other's playing. So, you know, may he rest in peace. And, um, you know, it's a shame that he's gone. 
Yeah, nice words. And again, his catalog, go on Discogs, go on, don't go on Wikipedia, that's all wrong. Uh, but go on Discogs and check out his performance credits. He's all over the place, which reminds me, one other recording, King Biscuit Flower Hour, Michael Bolton, 1983, Bruce yeah. and Bob performing on that. I want, because it's got stuff off. Yeah, the second Blackjack album as well, which is just, i got to get a copy of that. It's up on Wolfgangs, so I might have to sign up and uh, give it a listen. Uh, don't sign up, don't sign up, because I, I was signed up for a long time, and their emails border on harassment. <laughs> you know, uh, even so if you they're, they're like Sirius XM, huh? So bad. Yeah. It's so bad. I mean, listen, they got a lot of great stuff up on there, uh, but the emails, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it. Don't you have a spam filter? I do. I do, but there were so many. <laughs> uh, which uh, can I ask you a question, Andrew? Because looking yeah. over your shoulder, uh, is that Roosevelt Stadium? The Ooh. newspaper is that a new new it acquisition? Is. Uh, no, I've had it. I've had it for a while. I just you maybe just missed the position. I I did I did want to show off a new acquisition that I had, but obviously the focus today was Bob, and I, I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to cheapen that, so but since you asked about it, I, I am going to show my newest acquisition, uh, ticket stub from Madison Square Garden, 1977, February 18th, 1977. See, what makes me happy now is that I can say I've been there. I've seen Kiss at the Garden. Me too. And that just that just makes me. That's why I did it because you know, it just yeah. wouldn't be right to have not seen Kiss at the Garden. Um, but no, I mean there are a couple other um, things that I'm looking for. Anaheim. The two page? And, uh, Did you ever find yes. that? I never found it. Hmm. And um But uh, but yeah, for some reason those newspapers, it's just for some reason it just it, it's like I'm like so deep into it right now. I and, just bought a stack of documents and uh, I was going through it and there's all these newspaper sheets as well in there. I'm like, Oh my uh, gosh, is there anything interesting? Is there anything I can put up on eBay to help pay for the documents? <laughs> Well, All right, so your your final thoughts on Bob Kulik? Um, I mean, here's a here's a thing. This I I'm gonna choose to remember Bob that moment that him and I had on stage together. So uh, and and it was cool. And I'm I'm gonna play the Paul Stanley solo record in his honor. And um, I really can't add anything after what Michael said. I think he he worded it perfectly. So uh, this this was a guy who uh, was a cornerstone in Kiss, and it just made me realize that. When one of the key members in Kiss passes, it's gonna hurt too. So this was uh, his legacy will live on. It really will. Yeah, and I think Michael's word words stand as a nice uh, epitaph or epithet, yeah. which is yeah, oh, yeah, you know, ni- nicely said. I think the final words are you know, Bob, rest a, in peace. A good vivace. And thank you for the music. All right, yeah. that's it for now. Thank you for joining us, Michael, Andrew. Thank you for participating, and. Uh, Play some Bob music. Enjoy yeah. some Bob music. It doesn't have to just be Kiss music. And just uh, remember the memories and Bruce condolences to you and your family. Thanks for joining Same. us. We'll see you soon. Bye now. Take care. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.